If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. To newly released emails, President Biden's dog, Major, was much more aggressive than the White House previously acknowledged. At one point in the spring, Major bit Secret Service members eight days in a row. The report said Major is, quote, not always predictable. Which is a weird thing to say about a dog who just bit someone eight days in a row. <laughs> Sounds extremely predictable, if you ask me. <laughs> You're right. It's very predictable. He's, whoever's around him, he's going to bite. He's going to bite somebody today. <laughs> wow! Is there anything the Biden administration is not lying to us about? So coming up, we'll get to the Washington Post Really pretty brutal on, and appropriately so, but pretty brutal on President Biden and the handling of the end of Afghanistan. We're out. It's over. The the, the last guy got on the plane yesterday, and we'll talk about that coming up. Um, I promised this, so I'll pay it off quickly. The number is now 20%. Only 20% of people say they won't get vaccinated. It had been 23 two weeks ago. It was 34 a month ago. It is down to 20 they say three reasons for that. One, the Delta has caused a lot of people to rethink their stance. And I get that. Before the Delta came along, I, w- I was thinking if I weren't vaccinated, if, if I weren't vaccinated at this point, I wouldn't get vaccinated before Delta showed up because I thought it was, you know, so close to being over. Uh, that along with, um, the FDA full approval that influenced some people and kids getting back in school. So you're going to be exposed to more people. That seems to be what has caused more people to get vaccinated. So there you yep, go. On seems that. sensible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and as we were discussing the, uh, the penalties for not getting it, not the disease, but, uh, employer sanctions, firings, increased in, uh, insurance premiums, just the, the bargain is changing. For a lot of people, the numbers are changing. Oh, and the jury that I would pay to be on the Elizabeth Holmes trial starting today, the jury selection, I would pay. I would pay a lot. 
I was about to throw out an actual number. I would pay quite a bit to be on that jury. That would be so damned entertaining, but we'll talk more about that coming up. You have to take a test of a single pinprick to get onto this jury. Give me a finger. <laughs> now you Down, uh, Balto. We'll, we'll, we'll pinprick your finger for a drop of blood, then you all go to lunch, and then when you come back, we'll have the results from our magic box. Well, have you heard what her defense is going to yeah. be? Yeah. Yeah, it's a bombshell, so stay tuned for that. It is. Oh, stay tuned. Uh, Coming up, the teachers' union's doing their very best to convince you of what awful human beings they are. They are now operating in the open. Stay tuned. Although my computer has frozen up. This is hilarious. I was just talking to Jeff Fowler about this when we were talking to the tech guy from the Washington Post. How, you know, something will start running, my computer start grinding, and all of a sudden it's unusable. It happens 15 minutes later. Unbelievable. Anyway. A Michigan couple has been ordered to pay their son $30,000 for throwing out his porn collection. Uh, the ruling came eight months after, oh, this is, a, oh. this is a great reason for having your name in the national press, by the way. <laughs> I think I remember this story when it originally happened. Uh, 43-year-old David Working filed a lawsuit. <laughs> He's working it all right. 43? 43. Yes. He's 43. got his porn collection at his parents' house. He's 43. Well, it's... Yeah, well, we'll explain in a second. And plus, you know, when you're young, you may dream of having a great porn collection, but you don't have the finances. You've got to wait till you've achieved something in the world. You truly accumulate enormous amounts of pornography. Why are you still at your parents' house? You're 43. He filed a lawsuit against his own parents. Working felt that his parents had no right to get rid of his collection of porn, which included films, magazines, and other items, even though he lived under the roof in Grand Haven, Michigan, for 10 months before relocating to exciting Muncie, Indiana. The judge's hefty ruling in the payback was supported by an expert, oh Lord, good work if you can get it, who helped determine the value of Working's collection. Oh, jeez. His oh. parents also have to fork over fourteen grand plus uh, 500 for their son's legal fees. So apparently, if my mathematics are correct, he had a porn collection worth $15,500 plus legal fees, hence the thirty grand. Teat. Uh, apparently... Uh, working, thank you for that uh, audio illustration of what's transpired here, Michael. You're genius in evidence he's, as always. He, he's, Michael is like audio emojis. Those of you who yes. engage in emojis like children, uh, you uh, you often punctuate your stories with little pictures, and so Michael is like that with audio. <laughs> so he has That's a good Charles Crothammer saying teat, and then the cash register saying beautiful teat. Yes, for those who didn't, yes, for those who didn't catch that, I think everybody did. It's hilarious. Apparently, Jack, and you can imagine his chagrin, Mr. Working didn't realize his collection was gone until he had relocated to Indiana. His dad said in an email, Frankly, David, I did you a big favor getting rid of all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, the boy did not agree and sued his parents. So and successfully. I'm guessing having having had to move back in with his parents and in his 40s, that his life wasn't going particularly well at this time. And dad probably thought, you know what? Maybe having so much pornography is not helping you with your whole keeping your life together thing, so I think I'm going to get rid of it. I'm guessing that's what Dad thought. Well, as a matter of fact, one of the reasons he was living at his parents' home was that he uh, had just gotten divorced and was uh, relocating. And and he uh, had and a $15,000 porn collection with his wife? Uh, well, uh, who may or may his not. wife wasn't it's possible. Th- thrilled with it. I don't know. Yeah. But she might have liked it. Who knows? Uh, maybe maybe yeah, it's, it's they might have they might have had a thirty thousand dollar porn collection. She got half, he got half. You don't know this. 
part of the settlement. Exactly. So anyway, once, they have once to he share gets... it on weekends. Every other weekend, you can have the porn collection. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the comedy stylings of Jack Armstrong. <laughs> oh, so anyway, he gets uh, to Muncie, Indiana, from Grand Haven, Michigan, and uh, and looks around and uh, and shouts to quote Krusty the Clown, "My porn!" <laughs> when he realizes it's gone, he calls his parents or emails his parents, "What happened to my porn?" And his dad says, we threw it out. We did you a favor. Show a hand to who would like to discuss pornography with their parents. <laughs> Especially a tremendous amount of it. Yeah, hey, like, Dad, there's, there's 12 boxes missing from my stuff. Yeah, your 12 boxes of porn, you mean? You perv. <sighs> yeah, it's, it's, well, that's why it's important that families communicate, Jack. <laughs> that, that is the takeaway. <laughs> Don't, you know, don't act hastily. Yes. Teachers union head from a rather rather big city, the city of the angels, says it's okay that kids don't know math, that they didn't learn. They know the words insurrection and coup. Oh, boy. Head person in a teacher's union talking about how much more important it is that your kid be woke than be educated. No, okay. Coming up. That coming up and then the point, that's the end of the segment. Uh, My my apologies, guys. (laughs) Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm here. Uh, uh, the FEMA director is on. Uh, uh, FEMA director Chris Wells, she, she's on. And I'm here with, uh, with my senior advisor and uh, boy who knows Louisiana very, very well, man, and, and New Orleans, and uh, Cedric Richmond. All right, now I. Now, uh, Cedric, uh, who are we going to next? Governor Reese. Is Go? Oh, you are. I understand, Gov. You're not uh, on video, but you are on the telephone. So, Gov, fire away. Ooh, I hadn't heard that. Wow, confused old man. For one, secondly, he referred to a black man as a boy who knows Louisiana, which oh. is kind of uncomfortable, eh, especially in the South. He didn't mean anything by it. Now, if but he, getting back to the confused old man thing, he has no idea what he's saying. If he were a Republican, that would be a stop the presses sort of conversation, and he would be forced mm-hmm. to address it. Uh, as a Democrat, he'll get the proper response would just be he didn't mean anything by it. Right, right. Ah, the old double standard. So boring to just have one standard, please. So the head of the L.A. Teachers Union just put out a statement saying, there's no such thing as learning loss, number one. Uh, any parents uh, like to comment what, on that? What, I don't even understand what that... I, I don't even understand how you make those words come out of your mouth. There's no such thing as learning loss? Do they mean around the pandemic? Right, right. The people being out of school, despite evidence of massive educational declines due to a year is, of remote learning. Is there a Here's single what, parent? I've not talked to one. Is there a single parent who doesn't think that their kid fell behind... During the pandemic. Is there one in America? 
But the teachers Probably union not. is disputing the fact that that is, even exists as a concept. Wow. Right. Right. And I would say from kindergarten to senior in college. It's true. Anyway, Cecily Meyert Cruz, who's the president of United Teachers Los Angeles, told L.A. Magazine, quote, It's okay that our babies may not have learned all their times tables. They learned resilience. They learned survival. They learned critical thinking skills. They know the difference between a riot and a protest. They know the words insurrection and coup. Oh, boy. That is the head of the teachers union in L.A. That is incredible. That is a person so out of step. With the average parent. Wow. And yet so in step with the educational uh, establishment these days. Again, from kindergarten to college. And, you know, I'm going to make a strong statement at the end of this. But first, a couple more pieces of evidence. When schools shut down early last year due to the coronavirus, the union demanded the teachers not have to teach remotely for more than four hours a day, despite receiving full pay. Teachers often simply posted assignments that students were expected to download and complete on their own. Yep. Nearly two-thirds of students largely ignored this version of yep. school. Almost, almost none of the district's 229,000 elementary school students logged on at all. Oh, man. According to LA Magazine. Uh, the COVID-19 pandemic uh, in the United States under... Oh, they, they, they focused on far-left politics instead, saying the COVID-19 pandemic in the U.S. underscores the deep equity and justice challenges arising from a profoundly racist, intensely unequal society. Blah, blah, blah. Defund police, et cetera, et cetera. They came hard at charter schools, which are popular with racial minorities, but could, quote, unquote, drain resources from the union member's employer. This is why, (laughs) while billions of dollars were shoveled out to schools all across the country. To, uh, to, right. to, to to help you with COVID, they continue to claim, oh, we can't, you know, in these circumstances, we can't teach. By the way, the Wall Street Journal's uh, health and wellness section today, kids head back to school and bring COVID-19's mental health scars with them. The damage that was done mentally from being at home and how they need to have psychologists, more psychologists on campuses all across the country to deal with suicides and anxiety and depression, and all this sort of stuff, in addition to the learning loss. But the... Right. Teachers represent teachers union representative. You're talking about is just only a positive, really. The superintendent of LA schools who quit in June wrote in his resignation letter that the uh, the teachers union leadership were asked to consider all the different ways to return to classrooms with full pay. They would not agree to any of these. Getting back to the psychic damage done to the poor little kids. Now, parents filed all sorts of lawsuits. There's outrage. The superintendent quit. But Meyer Cruz, this is the head of the teachers union, the president gloated, you can recall the governor, you can recall the school board, but how are you going to recall me? Oh, boy. And then she pushed for tax hikes, etc. There's a um, power corrupts example right there. And then this woman was one of the head people, one of the, the leading people saying that calls to get back to school were racist. All right. So how can you possibly say the California Teachers Union mostly cares about students? Well, you can't. They clearly don't. Right. Right. Well, this is in this case is the L.A. Teachers Union. Um, But uh, they they make the point in the Daily Wire. The teachers union is, is astonishingly powerful. Its electoral efforts in ordinarily low turnout races make politicians afraid to cross it. Voters have elected union officials as their school board members, including Meyer Cruz's romantic partner, who's an Oakland school board member. 
The first quarter of the year, the California Teachers Association, which is the UTLA statewide affiliate, so they are related, spent almost $3 million on lobbying, more than twice as much as the second and third biggest special interests, both of which were oil companies. That's incredible. They spend more money than the oil companies lobbying the government. The magazine quoted a former school official, L.A. Magazine, who refused to give his name because he was, quote, scared of the union. UTLA is not a normal union, he said. No, they're a mob. They're a dangerous mob that could not give half a crap about your kids. It's unbelievable. Denying learning loss. That's uh, that's horrific. So, look, I'm not saying do this now. I'm not saying it's easy, and I recognize my kids are grown, so it's easy for me to shoot off my mouth and say this. There needs to be a massive exodus from America's public schools, except in those places where they're getting it right, in which they're they're wonderful institutions, and thank goodness for them. But in, in you find out what they're teaching at your kid's school, because I guarantee they're teaching far left race stuff, social stuff, including, as we were mentioning yesterday, part of the curriculum is teaching the kids to overcome the objections of other generations, meaning your teacher is telling your kid how to get around you to institute the woke ideology in their community. If you get even a sniff of that, you've got to, if you can, as soon as you can, get your kid out of those schools. Yeah. And uh, like you said, it's not an easy thing to do, and it's galling. It was galling to me when I did it last year. The taxes I pay, now I'm going to pay extra for a private school? No freaking way. But it just it got undoable. Yeah, yeah. It's rough, man. It's rough. It's a, it is a huge crisis. And I think a lot of folks are becoming aware of it more and more, but it's not nearly enough. Because I, I actually think, and I'm not trying to be dramatic for the purposes of ratings, I honestly believe this, I think it is a an existential crisis for the, the United States. If maybe not existential, in, it, it's a huge pivot point in the direction this country goes. Will it go toward a uh, a, a racialist, racist India, Pakistan style um, country and and culture where we're constantly at each other's throats because of race and culture. Uh, Will it become a Marxist utopia where all the kids spout this nonsense or will we defeat this stuff and and stay on the straight and narrow path? I'm seriously worried about the future of the country. Sure. And it um, it gets more difficult with the passage of time, because if you grow up being taught that you live in a bad country and was a racist country and your parents are wrong, it takes a long time to turn that view around if the kids grew up learning that. Oh, yeah. People cling, cling to the first thing they learn. Of course you do. On a topic. They assume it's true. They internalize that. It's really hard to take to, I'm sorry, to talk people off of that sort of point of view. That's why it's so crucial now. And it may already be too late. I don't know. Uh, Joe Biden getting a lot of the blame for the way the end of Afghanistan went down, including from the Washington Post. We'll have that coming up. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I have friends tonight, people that worked for me at 60 Minutes, worked with me. I have uh, people who are high-risk, vulnerable, vulnerable targets who work very closely with the U.S. military. They're in hiding now, trying, trying to make it through the night. Do you know what it's like to have them screaming down the phone, begging for help, begging you, please, America, don't do this? That's pretty rough. That's Laura Logan last night on Fox Talking about people that she personally knows that have been left behind. There are a number of people that have been left behind. Hundreds of Americans. Thousands. The number the Washington Post is using. 60,000 people that we probably should have gotten out. Uh, Afghans that had worked with us over the years. Not to mention the hundreds of Americans who, of course, uh, we would never leave behind. Yikes. And, of course, again, the Washington Post, that that staunch conservative outlet, just looking for an excuse to hammer a Democrat. Or this is such an awful disaster, they can't help themselves. They must. Bill Roggio from the Long War Journal that I've been following for years, he tweeted out yesterday, hundreds of Americans or more are now trapped in Afghanistan, left to the predations of the Taliban. Not a single American general, not a member of CENTCOM or the Joint Staff, stood up and said, sir, we can't leave our countrymen behind. I won't participate. This is without honor. It is pretty interesting. Not a single military person was willing to to resign or stand up and say, hey, I'm not going to be part of leaving people behind. 
Nobody? Interesting. Right. And then when a battalion commander said that very thing, hey, is anybody going to take responsibility? Or who is accountable? He was uh, relieved of his command. Bill Roggio, who knows more about this than practically anybody, went on to tweet, the last U.S. soldiers have left Kabul. No mention in the AP article uh, that he retweets about how many American citizens are trapped in Afghanistan. I'm aware of quite a bit. They are now essentially Taliban hostages left behind by their own government. Jonah Goldberg made a point in the uh, the dispatch today that who came up with this couple hundred number? Can this be verified anywhere? Um a week ago, they were talking about thousands, and now it's a couple hundred and thousands of people that they hadn't been able to contact or hadn't been able to get to the airport. Did they get out? Who's Who originally threw out this 100 or 200 number, and why are we going with it? Well, and don't forget that it was pretty recently that they said it was unknowable. We just we have no right. idea. Right. So uh, that number that the press is continuing to report that the um, CNN called 250 yesterday. One of the generals said, I think it's closer to 100 than 200. Oh, okay. You think that based on what? Uh, do, do you have a reason for that? Or Yeah, no kidding. That's just weird. It is weird. Washington Post's editorial board. So this is the opinion of the Washington Post newspaper who has been pretty friendly to Democrats over the past five years. America is leaving thousands of people behind in Afghanistan. This is a moral disaster. I'll skip down to the bottom. This is a moral disaster, one attributable not to the actions of military and diplomatic personnel in Kabul, who have been courageous and professional in the face of deadly dangers, but to mistakes strategic and tactical by Mr. Biden and his administration. They lay... The failure of this at the feet of Joe Biden and his administration. That's pretty strong stuff from the Washington Post. So even they don't go, but I had to because Trump made a deal. Not even the WAPO. And they've they've committed some journalistic atrocities against the Trump administration, but they won't go there. It's too silly. Yeah, I was just following uh, Tim Sandifer just uh, responded to a tweet about that. And Tim Sandifer, if you've heard him on our show, Tim the Lawyer, no Donald Trump fan, he um, said, yeah, Trump started this in uh, emotion, but there was no obligation for Joe Biden to follow through on it, and he doubled down on it. So that's completely well, and, on him. And if you even want to have the conversation, Trump the hard ass, when the Taliban started violating the agreement, would have said, all right, we got no agreement, because that would be an incredibly Trumpian thing to do. So, yeah, I, I got no time for that argument. Yeah, that's the point Timothy Sandifer made, that the Taliban violated the agreement that was made. So there was all kinds of reasons to get out of it if you wanted a justification. Um, this is kind of interesting. I couldn't have less confidence in the Biden administration. I didn't feel like this way about the Obama administration. I didn't like his political leanings, but I didn't think they were incompetent on any level. I think these people are freaking incompetent. I think Joe Biden, poor old guy, doesn't know what day it is. I think Anthony Blinken and who's the other dude that I swear are the same person? Uh, the oh, Jake Sullivan. Jake Sullivan and Anthony Blinken are the same people. I think they're, um, they're Ivy League school, live in a fantasy land, the way we'd like it to be as opposed to the way it is sort of people. I think they're incompetent in reality. So this yesterday from the State Department room, um, uh, Anthony Blinken, Secretary of State, declared on Monday 
that a new chapter of America's engagement with Afghanistan has begun. It's one in which we will lead with our diplomacy, he said in remarks delivered from the State Department Treaty Room. The military mission is over. A new diplomatic mission has begun. Seconds later, writes the dispatch, Blinken announced that the United States had suspended its diplomatic presence in Kabul due to the uncertain security environment and political situation in Afghanistan. Well, that was a short era. How do you how do you even react to that? Excuse me. Th- did, that's comedy. Excuse me. Didn't you just say like five seconds ago that the military portion is over, but the diplomatic portion has begun? And then you said in the next second, we've closed down all our diplomacy operations in Afghanistan. Uh, hello. Wow. Wow. That is troubling. I, like I said, I think they're incompetent. I think they're absolutely freaking incompetent. They live in a, a, a weird pretend world where they can lecture the Taliban. There's another one of those around today, and I think it's from uh, Sullivan, about how we are going to hold the Taliban to the promises they made. Oh, you are? How exactly are you going to do that? God, that's they just, they are divorced from reality, I think. They are. They live in college classrooms. They live yeah. in the theoretical. They have they and and are unwilling as obviously super smart people. These people went to Oxford and Stanford and Yale and Harvard. All these people, they're completely incapable of 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 getting through the textbook stuff to the reality of the world and recognizing right. the Taliban's going to do whatever the hell they want to do. Did you see the story about how they executed that folk singer yesterday? That's who the Taliban is. Wow. Uh, it's 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 a god help us if we end up in a dust up with china with this crew in charge there are a few folk singers i'd like to execute but i don't because i'm a decent christian man (laughs) and there's the difference there's the difference exactly civilization and savagery pete singer i've thought about it but i wouldn't do it (laughs) certainly not uh so uh coming up we need to play the infamous infamous Biden and Snephalopagus uh, conversation, and because uh, that needs to be hung around the neck of the administration. But first, a quick word from our friends at Simply Safe, beloved sponsor of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, Simply Safe Home Security. I did not say S show. I was reading, and I almost said a different word, but I did not say it. The Armstrong and Getty S show. Okay, other people so don't say be that. writing us emails claiming. That I did. Plenty of other people say it, but you didn't say it. And I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying I didn't say it. But anyway, they are a a beloved sponsor of the show at Simply Safe Home Security. They've been doing it for 15 years, winning all sorts of awards. And the system is simpler and less expensive than the traditional system. But it's better. That's the key. It's better. So you go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong, and you customize the system to your home. Just a couple of clicks on the website does that. And when it comes to your home, you set it up yourself. It takes about 30 minutes. And then you've got highly trained security experts ready whenever you need them during a fire, a burglary, or a medical emergency, or even help setting up the system. They're there for you. Yeah, I think that's good to point out fire and medical emergency as well as, you know, a break in or that sort of thing. So, as our listeners, you can save 20% on your Simply Safe security system. Get your first month free when you sign up for the interactive monitoring service. Just visit simplysafe.com/armstrong, customize that system, start protecting your home and your family, your business, your workshop, whatever you need to protect. simplysafecom armstrong 
So I left out something that I mentioned earlier that I wanted to say again. Let me try to find that real fast. Uh, the Washington Post was reporting on this, and other people have picked up on it, that apparently the Taliban offered to let the U.S. provide security in Kabul the day that they were going to roll into town. And I was we, stunned by this information. Yeah. The Washington Post reports... This is the Wall Street Journal commenting on the Washington Post, but I went to the Washington Post article and read it, too. The Washington Post reports that amid the Afghan government's collapse, the Taliban offered to let the U.S. provide security in Kabul. Mr. Biden and the U.S. military said all they needed was the airport, and Mr. Biden chose to rely on the Taliban for security around the airport. Hmm. I think Joe Biden simply has awful instincts about international relations in the world in reality. I just I think there's something wrong with it. So the Taliban marches across the country, they get to the outskirts of Tal- of, of Kabul and tell us, "Look, we're going to take this over, but if you want to provide the security while you get everybody out, that's cool with us." And we said no for some reason. And the disaster that it is. I mean, obviously if we'd been providing security for the whole city, everybody in Kabul who wanted to get out could have gotten out. I, I just think in his adult state or in his uh, bad instincts, Joe Biden thought, no, we could take over security for Afghanistan, but we need to bring 10,000 troops back in temporarily. I said I'd get the boys out. So no, no, no. You guys go ahead and run the city. Just give us the airport. This article in the in the WAPO, surprise, panic and fateful choices the day America lost its longest war. Super long. It's got like eight writers. They interviewed dozens and dozens of U.S. and Afghan officials. And it's fascinating. I just started into it last night. I don't know how I missed it over the weekend. But one of the things it talks about is how the uh, president of Afghanistan, Ghani. Ghana. <laughs> Ghani, Ghani, not Ghana. Um, Ghani. Up until the day before. So on the Saturday, you remember on Sunday, they, they, they were sitting in his office there uh, giving speeches to the Taliban. On Saturday, he was still having meetings about some sort of government stimulus program for Taliban and, and, and talking about the Water Bureau and stuff. He still thought, with the Taliban right outside of town, that somehow he was going to remain president and deal with the... And I didn't know until I read this that he's a university professor. That's what he came from. He, he's, he's the same sort of guy as Sullivan and Blinken that we were talking about earlier. Theoretical, academic... All of this exists, you know, in 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 words and ignoring the technocrat, the technocrat who is a war, ignoring the fact that the Taliban was about to come in, and and so he was there still talking about running the place the day before he fled. The reason he fled is his helpers went to him and reminded him about the last time the Taliban had come into Kabul in 1996 when they booted the Soviet government out, and the Taliban marched in, found the new governor of or president of Afghanistan, disemboweled him and hung his body from a traffic light outside of the presidential palace. And they said, pretty likely they would do that again to you, so you might want to get out of here. So he got Well, and if I remember correctly, they sawed off his genitals and uh, yeah, it was, put them it, in his, uh, his mouth for him. Oh, that's right. Barbaric! It was gruesome. Jeez, I'd say it's barbaric. Pretty gruesome. Yes. And there's no indication, really, that the Taliban's any different now than they were in 1996. So anyway, so he took $160 million, allegedly, and disappeared from the country. Well, I'm just glad that we got all the Americans out, like the president swore we would, and that we'd stay until we did. He did did swear that, or at least he 
assured George Stephanopoulos in an interview everybody saw that. Well, let's relive that moment when we come back. If you remember that interview, that's pretty good. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Well, initially I wasn't going to meet with him, um, but then I felt I owed it to my son to uh, at least have some words with him about how I felt. And uh, uh, it, it didn't go well. Um, he talked a bit more about his own son than he did my son, and that, that didn't sit well with me. Yeah, so um, those stories were uh, floating around yesterday. Well, Joe, you have a comment on that. I have my own comments. But. Well, yeah, there were a couple of uh, folks that said the same thing, that he droned on quite a while about his son, 
um, and and didn't really seem to have much interest in them talking about their kids. It seemed very scripted. Yeah, well, so here's the problem I have with that is, um, so you're hearing these stories with Joe Biden. We heard these stories with Donald Trump. We heard these stories with Barack Obama. And I remember hearing these stories with George Bush. Parents, oftentimes with a different political point of view than the president, um, and dealing with the worst thing they've ever dealt with in their lives. You know, it's just, I, I've seen this through several of different administrations and political swings. I just, I don't know. I don't know what to think of it. What do you think about uh, Joe Biden checking his watch repeatedly? I don't know. I did. The I've transfer only, of the remains. I've seen a steel, still picture. I haven't seen the video. Um, yeah, he's clearly checking his watch. I think he's guilty as charged. On the other hand, I don't think he's apathetic because everybody knows you can't do that in that scenario. I just think his his brain is gone, and he it was just he was he's so not aware of what he ought to be doing, what's going on, that he did something that's that's awful and rude. There, there's nothing about his history as a senator or vice president that would lead you to believe he's callous toward. Uh, you know, military casualties, including... No, in fact, they say he's, he's the opposite. He's a pretty compassionate guy, which I believe. He's a pretty emotional guy. So I just think I just think he's shot. Anyway. Could be. Uh, the, the policies he announces in his follow-through on them, though, you cannot rationalize it. Nope. You cannot. And so we left Americans behind. The president specifically said we would not about a week and a half ago. Let's hear the whole... Stephanopoulos, Joe Biden conversation from just a few days ago. All troops are supposed to be out by August 31st. Even if Americans and our Afghan allies are still trying to get out, they're going to leave. We're going to do everything in our power to get all Americans out and our allies out. Does that mean troops will stay beyond August 31st if necessary? It depends on where we are. And whether we can get ramp these numbers up to five to seven thousand a day coming out, if that's the case, we'll be, they'll all be out. Because we've got like ten to fifteen thousand Americans in the country right now, right? And are you committed to making sure that the troops stay until every American who wants to be out yes. is out? Yes. How about our Afghan allies? We have about eighty thousand people. Well, who, that's not the. Is estimate. that too high? That's too high. How the many? estimate we're giving is somewhere between 50 and 65,000 folks total, counting their families. Does the commitment hold for them as well? The commitment holds to get everyone out that, in fact, we can get out and everyone should come out. And that's the objective. That's what we're doing now. That's the path we're on. And I think we'll get there. So Americans should understand that troops might have to be there beyond August 31st. No, Americans should understand that we're going to try to get it done before August 31st. But if we don't? The troops will if, if stay. If we don't, we'll determine at the time who's left. And? And if, there are American force, if there's American citizens left, we're going to stay till we get them all out. I've heard that ten times now. It's more astounding each time I hear it. He's all over the map there. Are you committed wow. to staying until we get all the Americans out? Yes. Yes. How about all the Afghans? Yes, we're committed to the idea of trying really hard to get... Well, that that's not a commitment. <laughs> We're right, going to try right. really hard is not a commitment. So, Which is fine, uh, if you, but you got to say it out loud. Say, we're going to do our best, but I'm not sure we can, if that's the case. Riddle me this. What was going on during that bizarre period 
where the president and, and others were claiming, uh, the, the, the general, the Joint Chiefs uh, guys, whatever, when they were claiming, yeah, we uh, don't have reports that Americans are being held up at checkpoints. Uh, we believe they're getting to the airport if they choose to. Why were they saying that? It's possible that it's the same thing that's been happening for the past 20 years, according to that Whitlock guy who wrote the Afghanistan Papers book, that it's just people telling their bosses what they want to hear. I wonder if it's just the same thing that's been going on for 20 years. But while everybody, including the lefty media, was reporting feverishly that Americans are being prevented, they're being beaten, they're having their passports and visas taken away by the Taliban, nobody can get to the airport. And they're up there saying, we have no reports that anybody's had any problems. What the hell, man? I don't know. I agree with the Washington Post. It needs to be dissected starting now as to how this all happened and who was wrong and who was lying and who was misled. The the follow-up needs to start. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Every Day Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Every Day Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.